Welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. Together, we bring you ideas about entrepreneurship, education, and relationships that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook. And be sure to leave us some reviews and comments on your favorite podcast platform. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing Misty Gilbert. Misty is the president of the Resource Management Group, LLC, and began her entrepreneurship journey in June of 2004 with a desire to help healthcare and business professionals have thriving businesses built on a foundation of financial wellness. Hello, welcome, Misty. Now, when Christina and I were talking about this ahead of time, she said that you kind of fell into that entrepreneurship role kind of accidentally. I was wondering if you'd like to give us a little background on how you accidentally would fall into that entrepreneurship to and get a business out of it. Yeah, that's a good question. It's, you know, a lot of people have a desire to own their own business. And so they come in with a plan and an agenda and execute from the get go. Uh, that wasn't me. I was uh, working for a pediatric clinic doing medical billing and uh, had a great relationship with the software engineers that would come out periodically and do updates to the program. So back in that time, it was a DOS-based system long before the advancement of Windows products. Um, And so they would have to come on site to do those uh, upgrades and installs. And they would be doing this in many different healthcare practitioners' offices. And so they learned of uh, a physician um, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that was looking for a medical biller. And in discussing it, they came to me and go, we're thinking of starting a medical billing agency and we'd like you to run it. And I said, okay, that's cool. Like how would it work? And so we got going and we're picking a business name and all this. Well, when their employer learned of their plan, um, they told them that's a conflict of interest. Um, And so in the end, I decided to keep rolling with it. And so we never let the client know anything different, but eventually phased the two of them out from talking uh, with him. And I took over completely and launched my business. So um, I did it evenings and weekends initially. And then from there, as I got more clients, I considered what I needed to do to be able to take on that volume. So I quit my job at the uh, medical practice in pediatrics, probably about a year in is when I did. Um, and so I was completely a entrepreneur fully on my own for two more years. And in a 90 day window in my second year, I lost my two biggest clients. And so things kind of got really shaky and I wasn't sure I had the stamina to really be an entrepreneur. The challenges of, you know, running all aspects of your business, you know, sales and marketing, um, proposals, interviews, on-site evaluations, besides the actual day-to-day operations of medical billing, it was just me. I didn't have any employees. And so um, it really devastated me Um, emotionally, mentally, it affected me physically. And I just I wasn't sure I was cut out to be an entrepreneur. So I went back to being an office manager of an ophthalmic plastic surgeon's office and ran my business evenings and weekends again for two more years um, and brought on employees as the volume increased. Then, um, so began business in 2004, 2006, went back to being an entrepreneur. I mean, an office manager, not just 100% entrepreneur. And then 2008 brought on employees and 2010, I lost my job. 
And when I lost my job in 2010, I said, I'm done with corporate world. I will figure this out. I've been now established for six years. I know what I'm doing. So I just got to be able to do it and provide for myself and my employees. So that's initially how I began. Um, but in the entrepreneurship journey, most of my clients were healthcare at that point in time, almost 100%. Now it's more um, probably 30% healthcare. Um, but I've also shifted my services. So medical billing was the first thing I did. And then along the way, anything that they needed, I would help out with HR issues, tax issues, uh, finding a different CPA, um, their cash flow problems. I'd help them fix and create a budget. These were things I did for myself already. Um, Skill set I had from my dad being a bookkeeper and accountant CPA. Um, but started adding it as a portfolio to services. So um, even administrative work, typing up documents, contracts, things like that, that they needed. I just, if they asked me, I never said no. I just figured out how to do it or told them I wouldn't do it if it wasn't something within my skill set. Um, so in 2008 as when I started offering financial services as a business model. So QuickBooks, payroll, estimated quarterly tax payments, um, payroll taxes, things like that. Um, and then from there, really started helping entrepreneurs figure out how to maximize their business with their routines and their structures, increase their profit margins and stay compliant on all state and federal regulations. And so in 2010 is when I started doing more consulting because of the demand and um, business continued to progress in the end of 2016, I terminated medical billing as my line of service and only did business consulting and financial services. And so, um, continued that way since since that time. I'll train on the medical billing and it's not that I didn't make really good money doing medical billing. It's just with the industry changes, the Affordable Care Act, for instance. Um, with insurance, you have to fight and fight hard and long to really win. Yeah. And it kept me in a fight or flight state. And maybe if I had done more personal growth development work sooner in my life, um, I might have not made that move to pull that plug. But as I looked at my life, I was staying in a fight or flight mode constantly, you know, to, to decompress every night and then get back in the game. Uh, you had to fight. Um, many times you had to do three levels of appeals with insurance companies to um, be able to get them to pay. Many times, if it was a government program like Medicare or Medicaid, they can recoup, which means take back money from the healthcare provider up to 10 years from the date of service. Whoa. So like if you saw somebody, a provider this year, they get paid within 90 days, they have a potential of up to 10 years that money being taken back for any reason. And um, they will do a mass audit and go in and take big chunks of money, especially like, you know, my pediatric clients, I, I specialized in pediatrics. Yeah. Um, they did high volume. A million and a half dollars each per each entity. And so you have and, and government funds that are paying about 20% on the dollar of a fee schedule. Yeah. So mass volume is the way that they make money. Yeah. Um, they don't make money really per visit. They have to see a lot of people to make really good money or even break even money, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, so this, the stress of it all just made me revamp. And, and I started seeing pitfalls in each of these practices and where they were going with their business and why things weren't working and why they were struggling. You know, the statistics are 80% um, of businesses will fail in the first year. 
and 95 will fail in the first five years. So generally speaking, people don't hire a professional a business consultant to come in and evaluate their business until there is a catastrophe that is trouble. so large that they're in trouble. Yeah. yeah. And so my goal was to try to start doing more education to help them figure that out and avoid those pitfalls. But in the healthcare industry, particularly once they've completed residency school and they're licensed and fully ready to go, they don't want to do any more schooling. They've either done eight years or 12 years of schooling and they are itching to like get their hands on and do actual medical care. Um, So unfortunately, truthfully in the healthcare industry, my that when I would be called in between year two and five generally. Yeah. Um, and at that point, then there's a big cleanup and there's a big mess to unravel. They're mm-hmm. exasperated. They're frustrated. They've yeah. got a big lease for a building. Yeah. They've overextended themselves personally on a house, a bigger house than they can afford, a car than they can afford. Right. And the whole reason they went into healthcare is not what they're having to deal with. They're having to deal with all the bureaucracy and the laws. And so there's a lot to it. Um, but that's initially how I got started was just simply of an opportunity from was presented to me from two field engineers working for a software vendor. And when they realized that it was going to be a conflict of interest and they needed to pull the plug, they explained it to me. And I said, well, then I'm just going to do it without you <laughs> and kept going. <laughs> there you go. And that's so, that was a quite that that was a really long, intricate journey but also in your bio that that you can that will people will be able to see in the notes it says that you gave a ted talk on the art of authenticity so how did all of this technical work this problem solving this this story train end in a ted talk on authenticity well um i moved from california to texas when i was 20 i was born and raised in california um, I had a very abusive childhood and I moved September 1997 from California to Texas uh, to begin life over on my own. I was a part of a religious foundation that's a cult. Um, they were a flavor of every single religion out there. Um, to give you a little bit of a framework, we were like the Jehovah Witness in the sense that we passed out tracts and didn't celebrate Christmas. We were like the Pentecostal, we wore long denim skirts with our hair up in a bun. We were like the Mennonite, the Amish, um, or the Mormon, where they have strong communities and they help each other, uh, whether that's somebody's sick and they do a meal train, or whether somebody's a newlywed and they're building a house, they would construct it, do the concrete, the framing, everything, help people build it. Um, weddings, we did weddings. Somebody made the cake, somebody made the bride's dress, the bride's dresses. Uh, the flowers, the photography, the decorating, and all of it was done at cost. So our time and energy was spent, you know, collectively supporting each other. But the framework for all of it, um, and we were like the Baptist where we didn't drink, dance, or smoke. So my life was very um, secluded. The people that I was allowed to be with were in that religion. Um, My mom was born and raised into it. Obviously, I was born and raised into it. When you leave, you're excommunicated, you're annihilated. They don't have anything to do with you. Um, They call it marking to marking to avoid you. So leading up to how did I come to do a TED talk? Well, my personal journey started changing. And in 2013, I left that cult 
And as I vulnerably started sharing my story and my struggles and my challenges and my decisions on social media, I got a following and I got people asking me, hey, how do you do this? How do you make these decisions? How do you leave your family and don't look back? Um, How do you unravel 37 years of this programming? Uh, How are you so normal after being raised like this? Like just lots of questions. So Um, the art of authenticity, how to show the real you is born out of my own story, sharing some of what I just shared with you, but in more depth in the Ted talk, where I talk about my struggles on how I was hiding the secrets of the family, because I was afraid of what people would think of me and how I would be treated once they knew, because, um, nobody knew what went on in our home. It was a secret. And so my Ted talk was an opportunity to share my message and to help people remove their mask, which was a term prior to the pandemic. (laughs) But now people know exactly what I mean a lot more when I say that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, and all of that process by people asking me, I formed my second business. Um, And it's transformational coaching where I help people work past their fear, their shame, their guilt, and their regret to be able to live intentionally in freedom. Like life is meant to be lived in freedom. It's not lived meant to be lived in bondage, regret, shame, fear, guilt. And people subconsciously have these programs going on, not just in their thoughts, but their feelings. And that's where I try to help people connect more is how they feel because you can change your thoughts. But if deep inside, you still don't feel worthy. You still feel you're a failure. You still feel you're not measuring up. I don't care what you tell yourself. The positive programming is not going to override the DNA that's been instilled in you from birth until you address those feelings and the emotional connection you have to those experiences. So the art of authenticity is helping people figure out how to really be authentic, which I describe as being open, real, raw, and vulnerable. So you have to be open about your experiences, raw about the details, uh, real about the challenges, and vulnerable about how it makes you feel. If you can't do those four things, you'll never be authentic. And then you won't have the depth of connection you want, whether it's in family or as a couple or in business or with your clients, you're going to struggle because you're only showing a part of you. You're afraid to be human. We're all human. We are what I call flossom. We are awesome and we have flaws (laughs) and (laughs) you've got to be able to embrace both sides. And so My goal is to help people not run from their shadow, but to embrace their pain and see that they can turn it into their power. Because that's exactly what I showed people I did by these experiences where I was annihilated from my family at age 20. And then I was annihilated from the church group that I was raised in at age 37. So I've done it twice and um, started a whole new life all over um, with new circles. And, you know, I share my vulnerability of my struggles and how even now at, you know, age 46, what challenges I run into because, you know, at age 37, I hadn't dated, I hadn't worn pants, I hadn't, didn't have cut hair or earrings or makeup. Um, We didn't do those things. We didn't watch TV. We didn't have a TV. We didn't go to sporting events. Um, So sharing, doing those things for a first time, when most people do dating in high school and college, you know, I'm doing it at 37. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot to explore. There's a lot to overcome, uh, the paradigms you were told, which are truth and right. And everything else is wrong and how you discover what is really the truth. 
and what really brings you to freedom. Yeah. So I, I've gone so through, I've gone through a coaching program called being true to you. And it's about alcohol and addiction recovery. And a lot of what you're talking about is, is at the foundation of their message. And, and that's that alcoholism and addiction isn't a problem. It's a symptom of the problem of a life not being lived true to who you are. And so to, to overcome those, you don't, you don't battle them. You recognize them and then you build your life and you fill in the holes that that substance or that alcohol or whatever is filling in. And so then you grow your life into a life of fulfillment instead of using that as a, as a battling point. So yeah, yeah all, all of what you said. And so in that process of, of being true to you, to who you are, to building your life in accordance with, with what's right in your heart, then that, that brings your life up in full circle. Yeah. And and it makes it more easy to live in it. <laughs> we have two inspirational stories woven into one. We have the entrepreneur journey and we have this life journey that's just like weaving back and forth and two businesses out of it. And both businesses can be so helpful to families who are listening and thinking because as they're thinking about, you know, their business and their entrepreneurship journey, here's another story of inspiration. You know, things were going very well. I figured out how to make it work. It's working well now. I'm still moving forward, those kinds of things. And then those people who are having family issues or people who are needing to develop their self. Here's a coach that knows that journey and can maybe help you along the way. So both of these inspirational stories that you shared is a blessing for us. Thank you for sharing that much. You're, wel you're welcome. And, and everybody has a unique path and experience. And I think that's one thing in the entrepreneurship journey is people think that their path is going to be like somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And there will be aspects that you overlap and you have similarities, yeah. but your unique experiences also are going to play into your unique challenges. So the challenges I had as a female to overcome the suppression that I had lived under for 37 years as an entrepreneur, uh, you know, I began my entrepreneurship journey when I was 28. But then once I came out of the cult, there were things that I started doing more of because I didn't have that suppression of a woman um, that wasn't supposed to excel. So in, in the cult, they didn't want me working beyond nine to five. They didn't want me, you know. Um, interacting with a lot of male clients, try to find female clients. Like there's just a lot of governing right. um, yeah. Yeah, parameters that they feel that are right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And that kept me in a space of playing small. Mm -hmm. So when I stepped outside of that, well, suddenly now I'm having opportunities to um, be brought in as an interim CEO of a organization owned by 38 investors and 36 of them were men. Mm -hmm. And so to stand in, you know, that space and be able to tell men that are double my age, uh -huh. that their business model is going to go bankrupt if they don't make rapid changes. And here's why. Mm -hmm. And the first day I took over laid off 50% of the team because uh -huh. they didn't need that many people. And they had to pull back if they were going to launch forward, they had to. Yeah. And so the grit and determination to be an entrepreneur came from those steps that I first took moving out of my parents' house and right. standing for me and going, I'm 20, I can make my own decisions. I don't have to follow this way anymore. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the, the work is done to help understand the framework of the entrepreneur. What are their dreams? What are their vision? What are their habits? What are their beliefs? And how much is this in alignment or where is it disconnected? Mm -hmm. If they don't have that in alignment, they're not going to have the courage to take the steps forward in all areas that they need to. 
Um, you can, you can say mantras, you can manifest, you can pray, you can meditate, but if you aren't instilling inside of yourself a will and a determination and, a, and with courage to move forward, then you're never going to have confidence. You can't move into a space of confidence without having a foundation of courage. So a lot of this is looking at where do they lack the tools they need to build their business and support their dream and where in the back of their mind or their feelings, mm-hmm. what's going on that might be there that's holding them back because they're probably not going to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So here, here's an interesting question. So what is the earliest in the catastrophe that someone has called you in to start helping? And ideally, how early would you like to be called in <laughs> by a client to start working with them before the catastrophe? Would you have you ever like helped someone set up from the start or are you usually coming in from a from a, a stopping a catastrophe point of view? I have helped people start businesses, but the bulk of people that start an entrepreneurship journey, most of them don't have assets and financial ability. So it's limited usually as to what they'll work with me mm-hmm. on at the beginning. Um, but ultimately, if they could do a course of mine, you know, at the beginning, or even just pay for some business consulting along the way where they have an advisor that knows the back end and can help them guide them. And if I don't know, I'll tell you, I don't know, but I will dig into the trenches with you and figure it out. I'm not going to leave you hanging. That's what my role is. It's just like going to a physician when you have a healthcare issue. If they don't know, a good physician's going to say, I'm not sure the exact thing that's going on with you. I'm going to collaborate with my colleagues and I'm going to get back with you. Um, And so, you know, there's certain, there's certain things I'm not um, well-versed in. For instance, I don't specialize in nonprofits. I specialize in small entrepreneurs that are anywhere from no employees to 50 employees. I don't specialize in the big people because they can afford a chief financial officer on staff. They don't need me. Okay. I I'm, I'm working with the people who can't afford somebody full time, but have a need of that in order for them to get beyond ideally working with them when they have the idea of wanting to set up would be amazing. But most people call me in one to two years to five years into their business. And usually it's around year three, four, because whatever savings they've had, they've blown through, whatever things they were told by their CPA have not worked, whatever money they spent um, in contracts, like they've had embezzlement, they've had employee fraud, they've had payroll taxes now that are a year and a half have not been paid. Um, Like there's usually horrendous problems. Um, and many times they seek advice of say an attorney or someone who gives them, well, you should just file bankruptcy. And then, and this is true story client ends up in court, but prior to hiring me and on in the, in the full swing of filing bankruptcy and payroll taxes are not bankruptable. So that was horrible advice because right. he wasn't going to get out of his debts. Yeah. The biggest debt he had was payroll taxes, and that's not bankruptable. So there's okay. things like that. You know that. <laughs> yeah. And, and so my goal is to educate people and help them get their business set up foundationally. It's the legal on a state and federal level, yeah. and then help them understand what are the typical pitfalls businesses run into and why they fail. in the first year, 95% in the first five years. 
Okay. Um, most entrepreneurs are amazing at their craft. Mm -hmm. Their craft could be a hobby, a passion. They're amazing at it. But the business backbone, the business structure, the administrative stuff, the contracts, the payroll, the HR, the taxes, no. And they do not make it a priority. And they actually have so much massive fear about it. They choose not to make it a priority. And they think that by sticking their head in the sand and being an ostrich, somehow it's going to solve itself and it makes bigger problems. And then they end up hating the very thing that they have created and built. Yeah. So that totally brings me to thinking about our families that we serve and stuff. If they're small entrepreneurs, it'd be perfect for them to do a checkup with you and work through some things if they don't have it. What about if they had kids that they were educating at home and those kids want to start a business? Would that be a great thing for them to come? It would be, it would be a great thing. And, and one thing to explore would be how can they hire their kids to work for their business? Because um, the IRS will allow you to pay each child up to $12,000 with no tax implication. So it's an expense to you and then they're not taxed on it. So there's ways they can learn skills mm -hmm. and see you manage your business and run your business um, that will help them manage theirs. Um, yeah, if a young child, you know, 14 year old to say wants to um, begin a business, we can walk through the process and discuss what that business is, what they think their income projections are going to be, their expenses, and what needs to happen so that they set that up um, legally with the state and the IRS. Um, the bulk of my experience in doing this has been California and Texas. Uh -huh. So I don't have a lot of experience in other states, but the principles apply. You may have a few different rules in different states, but the basic framework is going to be there, right? Um, and then I help people along the way with your specialty. If you're in a particular industry that needs specific licenses in your city, some do, some don't. Um, those are things I help you figure out. And we figure out when you need to bring on employees or is this a one-man show? And right. what are your, what are your, what are your game wow. point for it? I don't do a lot of um, helping people sell businesses. I've done it a, a handful of times, but wow. that's not something I'm an expert at. I am an expert at the merger and acquisition side. So when somebody comes in and wants to buy a business, helping okay. them uncover the financials and do forensic accounting where you come in and audit the books of the company that's being bought um, and make sure it's really what they say on paper is really there. Um, those are things I do many times, or you have partnerships that all of a sudden are no longer working and a partner is going to leave. How do you dissolve that, that partnership yet keep the establishment, what legally needs to be done and how do you come to a win-win for all parties? Because usually those things are never an amicable situation. It's like a divorce. <laughs> Hopefully they are at some point, but yeah, exactly. That is amazing because like I was just saying, you know, the families that were hopefully listening to this are realizing that they are, here's another learning opportunity for the family. Here's another learning opportunity for the young person as they're coming up and here's someone who can help them do that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. for a business that's three to five years in and is making a lot of money, but is still have weird stuff going on. Mm -hmm. Uh, another resource to maybe figure yeah. out how to get on top of that and make your money work for you better. Yeah. yeah. Or just, do a, just do a checkup, you know, just like you do with your healthcare provider, they recommend a yearly checkup. We all don't always do that, but even if you did it, you know, once in the first five years and then maybe once a year or every two years after that, um, depending on your, your business goals and your growth and the vision of what you have that you're trying to create. Um, most people get stuck at a certain level. 
that, you know, initially it's trying to get to hundred thousand dollars, then it's 250, then it's a half a million. Then once you reach a half a million, people usually launch straight to a million. Um, and when they get to a million, it depends from there in their industry, how rapidly they grow. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people build to a, man, a million and then one out and want to sell and start something over. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing wrong with any of these. I don't, I don't teach from a standpoint of trying to tell you what's right or wrong. I try to come in and guide you based on your core values um, and my experience of working in the trenches, what you need to do to get where you want to go. And we try to uncover what is the fear holding you back? Because generally there's a fear somewhere that's holding the person back from launching into the next phase of their journey. Um, and so, you know, one question in, in my coaching that I ask all the time is what would you do today if you were not afraid? It's a good question. Yeah. Well, something you mentioned there, you said something about core values and that's, you know, as we work with families and things, it's like knowing those core values is really, really important. And so I love that you're bringing those into the business discussion as well, because as we're trying to help our entrepreneurs realize there's kind of like three different areas for development. There's the personal development that most entrepreneurs go through. Then there's the business development to keep their business going, but we're hoping that they bring in the family development, which is hopefully one of those core values, that family growth, that family learning that comes together to get the whole rounded picture of the entrepreneur and their family. Yeah, and, and family businesses are a challenge, right? Because not only do you live with each other 24-7, now you're working with each other 24-7. So how do you have a healthy relationship at work if you work outside of your home? Or how do you have it at home and how do you create a work structure with a foundation of family time? And, you know, I help people design their life um, the way they want and, and, and that business fits in with the lifestyle. Don't design your life around your business. Your business gets designed around your life. Your life needs to be built first, first and foremost. And I didn't do that at first. Mm -hmm. I went seven years with no vacation. So when I'm talking about building your life, you decide you're going to do a family vacation every year and you decide how long a week, two weeks, three weeks, 10 days, whatever, a month, right. Yeah. Or, or, or you're going to go once a quarter or what, and, and you stick yeah. to it. Just like when you're courting uh, or dating and you have a weekly date night uh, mm-hmm. or a movie out or whatever, you keep those habits. Once you're married, if you don't, you're going to start falling apart. You're going to start being disconnected. And so there needs to be a certain amount of daily activities and then monthly quarterly yearly activities that you do. So a lot of times when people start a business, they make a business plan. Um, they set some audacious goals for one year, five years, 10 years. I take a deeper step back and we don't go that far okay. because those are great. And, and I'm not saying we won't do that exercise to start to get you opening up. Yeah. But I want to set a goal for the next 30 days that you're going to kick ass about. And then when you get that goal, I want another 30 day goal and another 30 day goal. And it doesn't mean we don't have some targets for the year that we're going to target, but most people cannot think about more than three to five things simultaneously Mm -hmm. that they're working on. And as entrepreneurs, when you're starting a business, there's so much from the financial side to the structure side, to the sales and marketing side, to having employees, to your technology And so you can get overwhelmed really fast and people, people get stuck and out of fear, they just hire the first person. So these are some of the things I help them understand. When you start a business, you at least need to interview three people. It's a website designer, three people, Ah. interview at least three. 
because first person might tell you one thing and the next two tell you something different. You mm-hmm. might not like the first person, but you kind of like the next two. Well, then you have two people to pick from. Right. If you get through three people and you do, you do not know, like, or trust them from what they've told you, you can't see yourself working with them. They're hard to communicate with. Um, you don't, you don't, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard conversation every time you get on the phone. The, yeah. You're going, you're, you're going to dread working with them. Mm-hmm. You're not going to feel synergy. So you're not going to trust them. So if they file your tax return, you're going to be doubting that it was done right because you don't have any basis. Right. You know, and, and like I told somebody yesterday when I was talking to him, I said, it's simple questions like, how do you handle a situation with a client if they get audited by the IRS? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that you are more black or white with IRS rules? Ask mm-hmm. them hard questions. Yeah. You don't have to get into all the nitty gritty. You may want to inquire about their fee schedule. It's important to know what they charge, right. but it's also important to know, like, you know, how committed are they to education? Are right. they proactive? Most CPAs are reactive, which is why you need somebody like me who's going to bridge that gap. Because once the year is closed, you can't make any financial decision on your business outside of investing in a 401k or a Roth or a simple fund on April 15th. You can't do anything to change your trajectory for the prior year. It's done. So most people are running and gunning so much. They forget these deadlines. They forget the importance of why they need to plan ahead. And so that's where I bring tools to them and information. Doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to use me at every step of the journey. But then they have the framework so that they aren't stressed and overwhelmed um, and then making decisions out of regret or fear. That is so, so important. Wow. I hope all of our audience just listen to that and like think about this. How about being proactive instead of reactive? And it's the same way with your family. How can you help your children be proactive by start talking to them early? proactive in their education, proactive instead of reactive in their behavior. And so I'm going to be yes. be real honest with y'all for her for a little bit is, and I'm going to blame it on the brain damage, but the last <laughs> five or so minutes of conversation with the real technical stuff just kind of blew right past me. And so if you are like that and you're all like, that was just a wall of words, then you actually need somebody like Misty to help you out with that <laughs> okay. because me that that just that just is like yeah no 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 that's why i'm in charge of business right now and and so (laughs) yeah if it were if it were just me i would have to go with someone like misty just because there's no way i could do any of what she just said right now and and again i'm going to blame it on the brain damage (laughs) i used to be really good at that kind of stuff yeah but yeah, that, that step got taken away from me in the yeah. in the middle of some of these brain traumas that I had. So, so, so well, yeah, we all we, we all have we all have we all have her, her we all have our skill sets that we excel at certain things. And even myself, like you're talking about, I'm in a situation where I'm dealing with Lyme disease. So there's some days I neurologically can't hold a discussion very well. I slur my speech and certain things. I have to take that into effect in what I'm doing, right? Realize my capacity. Uh, I was also involved in January in a wreck where somebody pulled out in front of me and I T-boned them going 75 miles an hour. Um, business I, I, I lost 40% of my business because I was not able to manage everybody. So you have to, in entrepreneurship journey, we are sold that, you know, be an entrepreneur because then you have time, money, freedom. You will not start with time, money, freedom. 
You can build something to get there. But initially, you're going to be putting in way more hours than you put in as an employee for someone else. So I really help people tell me your vision. And what I do, I come in and I poke holes in it. I'm going to test it to see if it's going to hold up to the heat. You know, is it going to hold up to boiling water? What's going to happen when this happens? What's your strategy? What's your plan? You don't have to have answers for everything, but you have to have the courage and the confidence that no matter what challenge you're faced in business, you will figure it out. If that's not your mentality, then you're probably not equipped to be an entrepreneur because as an entrepreneur, you don't get to pick and choose or a leader. You don't get to pick and choose what challenges you face. And so a lot of the framework that I give them as a backbone of support is not just what the IRS says or the state where you live says, but then how does that work with the framework you come from? So for instance, when you talk about money and business, how are you taught to manage paperwork? How are you taught to set up a bank account? How are you taught to manage a budget? Those same paradigms you have in a personal framework, you will carry over to business. They are exactly the same. Right, Nissi, you just throw everything in a box and sort it out in a year, right? (laughs) No, no, because nobody, even us that do it for a living, don't want to sort through your box once a year. Exactly. (laughs) We even dread that big box that you bring us, okay? Exactly. And that's when the bill goes cha-ching, cha-ching. that's the thing is I try to help people understand is if you do these simple disciplines so uh, it's a quote from the slight edge by Jeff Olson a book that's my favorite Uh simple disciplines done consistently over time produce results so that's the whole idea in entrepreneurship you don't want to you want to dive into the deep end but you don't want to be floundering down there trying to figure it out so we're going to create disciplines that help you you know 15 minutes to 30 minutes a week, you take care of your receipts and you scan them in, you will not end up with madness at tax time, okay? And you will not end up with receipts you can't read a year later, right? You will have your documentation. So these are things that we instill and we look at your schedule. We look at what day of the week can you do this? We look at, is it something your kids can do for you? Like, how can you delegate so you can take (laughs) on your role? Right. And then you can pay them because they're working for the business. Yeah, And as a 27 year teacher who consistently got her grading done every week so that at the time of report card, she didn't have to cram hugely midnight dates to get their, her, 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 her grade cards done on time. So yeah, we have no idea what that's like at all. You said about those silly receipts, how many other people have noticed that the receipts and the paper that they're printed on, they don't even last a year anymore. They like fade away and there's like nothing. You can't read them anymore. So you do want to get them scanned early. And you, you do. do. I mean, it's, it's simple things. So for okay. instance, the IRS can audit you for seven years. Mm-hmm. If they come in and want to see those receipts and you they're unreadable or you don't have them, if they feel there's a reason that those things may not have been business expenses, they're going to disallow them. When they disallow them, that means they're going to mend your tax return. When they mend your tax return and they take away expenses, that means you're probably going to owe. And then because it's behind now, whatever year, five, six, seven, they're auditing you, you will have penalties and interest. Even though you initially filed it one way and it got amended, they're going to stock it to you. And so I tell, I help people understand what are those rules? You can decide whether you adhere to them or not. You're the one that's going to pay that 
price with the IRS, not me. But my goal is to prevent that from happening so that you're at least educated. If you truly make that decision not to keep your receipts and not to scan them, then you know what you're putting yourself at risk. There's a lot of, I have a a lot of clients that tell me I've never been audited. I'll never be audited. I'm not worried about that. I don't teach from that standpoint. It's like anything else. You can decide to speed. But I'm going to educate you, if you do speed, what the chance is of getting a ticket and what that might cost you, right? And so that's the whole thing with business is you've got to figure out what risk you're willing to take and subject yourself to and what are just not really worth the risk because it affects your livelihood and it affects every area of your life. Nobody, nobody likes the IRS in up their ass for any reason. <laughs> so, you know, as a matter of fact, anytime an envelope comes to the house and it has that little logo, I instantly go, Oh no. And yeah. luckily the last time it was a good thing. They found a mistake in our favor and they gave us money back. Yeah. First time in 30 some odd years, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Missy, this has been so awesome because families are and entrepreneurs are really getting this whole up and down this business background and everything else. And one of the reasons I had you come here in June of 2023, just in case somebody's listening to this later, is that you have a special offer of something coming up that I really yeah. want to get out to my family. So can you tell us a little bit about what's happening in the next couple of weeks with you and your business? Yeah. I'm launching uh, my first ever virtual live workshop. It's a three-day event um, from four to six on June, the 15th, 16th, and 17th of 2023. Um, You are going to get all the tools to establish a business uh, legally and understand how to structure it so that you do not have stress and overwhelm. Mm -hmm. The, The idea is that in these six hours, three days in a row, that you will be able to have a blueprint that you can work from. Now, of course, if you were like, I need handholding, then I have a second tier to that where you can work with me for a month and four weeks, and we will do three calls. And we will, if you already have paperwork established, we'll review your paperwork and see where it is and make sure it's right. And then go to the next level. If you don't have paperwork established, we, I will do that for you through my firm. Now, if you want to do it on your own and you want me just to look over it, there's options of that too. But the goal is to be that support system, that business advisor looking over your shoulder at how you're setting up. Because things like two years ago when we had the pandemic and there were PPP loan funds, there were businesses that qualified for those funds, but were not able to get them because their paperwork and documentation did not match. And what I'm talking about are simple things like your business name, legally with the IRS needs to be the business name legally on your checking account. Mm -hmm. Not everybody does those things. And there's a lot of reasons why scenarios where it gets not done that way. They may may do the check an account in the DBA, but the DBA was never registered with the state. The DBA was never registered with the state. There's no record of that entity. So there's a lot of reasons that it could be done that way. We look at all these reasons of what your situation is and make sure that it's set up um, in a way that's going to give you what you're looking for in business. Um, I am not an attorney. So that, you know, their disclaimer, I'm not an attorney. I'm not a CPA. I've been in the industry for 29 years, um, but I've had my business for 24 um, or is it 20? No, 20. 20 and 24. So I had 19 years. Um, so I, I've, been, I've been in the industry 10 years before I started my business. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so these are things in, in the course we walk through and, and there'll be time for Q&A so people can ask questions. I'm also going to do a drawing uh, for everybody that participates. Somebody will win uh, four hours of business consulting also. Um, and so basically you're going to get a lot of tools and it's $47. Um, the, it'll be recorded, but it'll only be live and accessible for three days following the event. Okay. So there we go. Families, people who are listening, here's your opportunity to get in and get some of this awesome information. Bring your kids, your teenage kids, help them think about, oh, do I want to be an entrepreneur? Do I want to set up a business kind of thing? I mean, these are just great learning opportunities. And we are so blessed that Missy was able to come in and talk about business and entrepreneur ups and downs, life up and down, and how you can be an inspiration and a help to people on the other side. Yeah, they can read the um, details of the workshop at theentrepreneurmanual.com. That's where they can read the details and actually register for it. Um, if they can't attend live, like I said, it will be recorded and they can get that, but it'll only be available for three days after the event um, because it's it's not content that I'm publishing. It's, it's directly related to the class and the attendees, and I want there to be uh, privacy and um, ability to come forward with your questions in your scenario and feel like you've got an advocate on your side. Perfect. Awesome. So is there anything that we kind of haven't covered that you were thinking that you really wanted to cover today? Are we? I, I would, I would encourage people that um, have a business or are thinking of starting a business to look at the areas where they feel that they um, suck or that they need help in and don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, and even if it's somebody like me, interview three people like me. Don't just listen to me and take what I say. Connect with someone else, ask them the same questions, see what they have to tell you, because it is through that process, you're going to get more clarity even on what your challenges is and what you really want help with. So, you know, I can come in and spot certain things, but ultimately, if that's not something you're wanting to fix, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't force you to. I want to pull you and draw you to the alignment that you have to your core values. And you need to know what those are in a family dynamic yeah. and a business dynamic. And they can be the same and sometimes they can be separate. They can be two different pillars that you mirror together. Um, but understanding what it is you're trying to achieve in life with your family and the environment that you want to create. We have culturally thought that we have to work Monday through Friday uh, eight to five, 40 hour work weeks. If you're an entrepreneur, 60, 80 hour work weeks. And yeah. my goal is to help you break that paradigm and figure out what kind of lifestyle you want to live, how much money you want to make and design your life around that. Not where you're trying to make your life fit your business. Love it. Thank yeah, you. And where we're doing that with families, especially to, to bring the family back into, or the yeah, education back into the family. Yeah. To, to make the family unit stronger too. That's, that's just a really beautiful addition as well. So yeah, thank you very much for, for the work you're doing. That's really beautiful. Yeah. You know, in, in life, uh, marriage relationships, they say the most two things that are ever fought about are sexual relationship and money. And in business, the biggest challenges people have are cash flow and employees. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to have a business, you need to understand your dynamic, what are your pitfalls and how are you going to relate to these challenges and who do you have on your team to give you that support, whether it's a yearly checkup or whether you're in a mess and you need somebody hands on to dig into that mess with you and guide you on how to fix it. Everything is fixable if you're willing to do the work. Yep. And that goes as 
far as like character and personal and you know development of yourself and then of course your business as well yes audience i hope you have found quite a few different nuggets throughout the show i absolutely love that we've had misty with us and that we were able to connect with her and hopefully you think about does my business need a checkup does my family need a checkup how can we make it better so we can move forward for happy healthy and successful kids and families in the future thank you everybody for joining us today and we will see you soon bye for now <laughs>